thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Good morning, Radiant Church. Just over a year ago, our church was praying that God would heal my dad and that one day he would be at church again. Well, not only is he at church today, but he will be preaching today. Thank you for your continued prayers for him. You know, I have so many friends that talk about their spiritual father. I was thinking about that for me, and my spiritual father is my biological father. He will preach an amazing sermon from a pulpit today, but it doesn't even come close to what he has preached with his life. So do me a favor and give a huge hand to my dad, Hal Perkins, as he comes to start our new series, Homecoming. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Good morning. I wish there were some way that I could communicate so that you would understand the honor, the glorious honor it is for me to be asked to be with you. I don't know how to do it, but it's a big deal. Thank you. Before I, before I jump into the message, um, I want to tell you about a miracle, okay? Have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever seen a miracle? A couple of you? <laughs> well, actually, you're looking at one. Um, but that's not the miracle I want to talk about, but I will tell you that this is significant. Um, I had four major diseases plus COVID, and I'm not getting younger, <clears throat> And, and doctors told me that with everything I had, there was no possibility. It never happened. I could not live. And they said, you have two choices. You can die comfortably, instantly, and we can help you with that. Told me that. Or you can have a very painful, short, or long existence, but you will die. And we really need you to make a decision. Well, that was on Wednesday morning. 10 o'clock, the doctors left, p.m. 10 o'clock the next morning, they came back. And the doctor looked at my chart and said, this is the wrong chart. This is not Hal Perkins. Because God, the God of miracles, power. And here we are. Someone asked me the first, after the first service, were you sick? <laughs> I said, I didn't tell that story very well, did I? <laughs> well, Yeah. But, but that, that miracle, now hear me, that miracle really, forgive me, Lord, it's, it's a Bible-sized miracle, and we preached about miracles, nothing as significant as that for 2,000 years. But, but I want to talk about another miracle. See, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, Radiant KC didn't exist, except in the mind of God. I don't know if you know it or not, but God talks. And he spoke, and a couple people heard it in their minds. That's usually how we recognize his voice. 
We all hear it. And he spoke, and they actually dared to believe it, and they gathered 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 others, and they all believed it. And then God said, for it to happen, he spoke again. He said, there'll be things you need to do, but because they trusted God, they not only believed that what he said could and should be, but they gave themselves, they denied themselves, they took up a cross, and they moved across the country. And they didn't just do it once. They did it for years. A bunch of you are standing here, sitting here. And it, it wasn't just, it was big, it was hard. The, the obedience, the labor. But God speaks, and if someone listens and believes and obeys, God works. And what was non-existent 10 years ago today is touching thousands of people. And it isn't just lungs that are going to die again. It has to do with life that will last forever and ever and ever. This miracle that I'm looking at is infinitely greater than anything I could ever tell you about my miracle. Do you think it'd be a good thing for us to celebrate that, God? And, and thank you. Very seldom does the word of God become materialized until someone hears, believes, and obeys, and then the word becomes flesh, and this is the body of Christ. So you don't need to do it, but God celebrates you today, as do I. So my pastor, your pastor, is starting a new sermon series. It's titled Homecoming. At least it was. Maybe it changed. <laughs> Things change in a hurry around here. Anyhow, it's titled Homecoming, and, and my pastor asked me if I might today start the series off by talking about the father we come home to. So let me read a little bit of scripture. It is basic, it's background, but it's the whole message. So here we go. Let's see if I can read this here. The father, nope, that's not it. Sorry, we, whoop. Let's, let's, I'm sorry. Let's try to find, can you get me? There we go. Thank you. Thanks. Sorry, guys. Here's the scripture, John 14, 7. If you really know me, this is Jesus talking. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, well, show us the father. Show us. And that'll be enough. And Jesus answered, Philip, don't you know me? Even after I've been among you such a long time? And here it is. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So the way to know the Father is to know the Son. The word that became flesh, the tangibleized, materialized concept. It wasn't an idea, it was a person. That's how we can know the Father that we're invited to come home to. So, Jesus' point, to know and see your heavenly Father, know and see me, Jesus. And Lord, I'm on my knees right now in my heart. If if you help us, as you will, this will be helpful. My faith is in you to do what we cannot do. 
and I trust you. Amen? Okay. So, <clears throat> there's something that I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me, and actually, it's very painful to me. Um, I don't know how people, e even people who go to church, American Christians who go to church, I don't know how, how people can, can treat God as if he doesn't exist, like an atheist, or, or, or treat him as if he doesn't matter. By that I mean not pay attention to him, not listen to him, not include his truth, not include his idea into the conversation that we might believe what he says and because we believe and trust in him, if we trust him, do what he says. I don't understand how people who treat God like that can get so upset with him when the inevitable chaos happens. I, I don't know how it, it doesn't make sense to me that when difficult things happen, all of a sudden they run to him. They've been spending 5, 10, 15, 20 years creating a mess, and they get upset that he doesn't fix it. Or, or more than that, they're just angry at him. And that doesn't make sense to me. And, and so what I'm going to do this morning, hopefully for all of us, will be to talk to us about the Father who's like Jesus and to attempt to get a picture in our mind that we'll live with, live with, that we'll realize who he is, two of his key components, uh, the, the very nature of God, and we'll realize what he does with us and for us almost on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, and then learn to respond to that. And I don't know if I'll say it later or not, but most of us have such bad habits. We have such habits of independence. We, we were born not trusting God. We were born not knowing God. And we grew up and, and we just developed a ton of bad habits being independent, good Americans, and, and not including God. And so we got a ton of, of bad practice, bad habits that we have to unlearn that usually we don't get done just by listening to sermons. Usually we have to be trained and tested. It's called being discipled over and over and shaped in order to live the life that our good father intends for us to have. So I'm hoping to kind of show us not only what God will do from his side as a good father, but also that there's something on our side. I'm going to give us three kind of processes that we can learn and hopefully we can get to, to relate to him better. And hopefully, even though it's just a sermon, we can get it. How's that? Okay. So, so let, let's take off. Um, actually, the one thing that Dave asked me to do was to tell you this story. So here comes a long story. Is that okay? So I'm just being dutiful here. So I was born on a Monday. But the next Sunday, my mom took me to church. First Sunday of my life, I was in church. And I didn't miss one time. 15 years at home. Didn't, didn't miss. I was present. Didn't miss once. Facts are, actually, I didn't miss until COVID. <laughs> good habits or whatever, but, but, but the reason I'm telling you that is I hated church. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't confess. I did. I hated church. And it wasn't because the little cracker box that we went to in Butte, Montana, it wasn't because it had holes in the ceiling and the 
the snow and the rain came through or, or the seats were all torn up and the wires stuck out and the cotton came out or, or the floor didn't have nice carpet. It was, it was just junky. It was old linoleum kind of stuff, squares that were so torn up on the edges from the rain falling on them that, that the corners were turned up so any decent kid couldn't even run down the aisles without tripping and making a mess of things. And it wasn't because of any of that. Although I will tell you that there was something kind of fancy about the little church I grew up in. They, I don't know, maybe they spent all their money there, but, but we had a slanted floor. You just had a plain old flat floor here, but we had a slanted floor in our church. But that, that wasn't why I hated it. It wasn't because the, you know, the, the preaching was bad or, or the singing. I, it, it wasn't any of that. The reason I hated church was because my mom had this silly idea. She thought that I should behave during church. <laughs> and she was the lawmaker, meaning that she clearly identified to me the things I could do and the things I could not do. And if I did not do the things I should do, there was trouble. And if I didn't do, or if I did what I wasn't supposed to do, so, so my mom was not only the lawmaker, she was the policeman. She watched me like a hawk. She wore blue every Sunday. <laughs> so she watched me like a hawk, and she was the jury. So when I broke her laws and the police found me, the jury found me guilty every time. <laughs> Without even a self-defense or attorney, I mean, I was guilty. And, and then she was the judge to determine, you know, the consequence of my behavior. And then she was the executioner. <laughs> she executed me regularly. But never on Sunday. Because she was serious. And everybody knows that we're not to work on the Sabbath. And the way she executed me was work. And so everybody knows that Sunday's the Sabbath. And, and so I couldn't get executed until Monday morning. So I had to lay awake every Sunday night, waiting to be executed on Sunday, Monday morning. That explains a lot about me, if you know what I mean. So anyhow, and the way she, she wasn't creative in the way she meted out my discipline. I think she was kind of a Tiger Woods wannabe. Because she'd make me get up, and then she'd have me bend over the bathtub, and, and then she'd get her club. Now her club was actually not a club, um, it was a razor strap. Did any of you know what a razor strap is? You ever seen one? Most of you don't know what it is. <laughs> anyhow, I, I should have gotten one. Uh, last week, your pastor had a wheelbarrow. I should have you know, gotten one for you to see. But anyhow, I didn't have one. But I had one there. She had one. She'd take out the razor strap, my bend over, and then she'd tee me up. And she had a pretty good backswing, but it really hurt. And so what I would do is I, I couldn't help myself. I'd jump as she was about to come, and she'd slice me. I mean, she wouldn't get a good straight shot at me. So I had to do it again until I could stand still. And then when she finally got a good straight clean shot down the fairway, so I went through the wall, then I was appropriately executed. I hated church. <laughs> it was terrible. So one day, I got an idea how I could keep from getting in trouble during church. As I thought about it, I was really stupid. I mean... This was dumb. But I, I had a marbles collection. I stuffed my pockets full of my marbles. 
I don't know, I just thought they might come in handy somehow. So, so I, I didn't really plan ahead. I, I got going in the service and the singing was fine. The preaching, well, it was long and longer and long. And I'd done everything I could to keep myself entertained. And then I remembered I had my marbles. So stuck my hand in my pocket and pulled out a handful of marbles, but I was greedy. I wanted more. Hands weren't very big. So we used to have a thing called a hymnal. You wouldn't know what they are. It's a book with songs in it. So I pulled out the hymnal and put the marbles in the hymnal so I could get some more. So I'm reaching down in my pocket to get some more marbles. Do you know what I did? <laughs> have you ever heard a bunch of marbles hit the linoleum floor in the middle of the service? <laughs> it was worse than an A-bomb. I guarantee you. The sound waves just went all over the world, just like that. It was horrific. And then, of course, slanted floor, linoleum, all the way to the front, hit the no carpet. I was dying. I knew for sure that I would be executed at daybreak. No golf swing. It was over. That was it. I had, it was through. I, I, the unpardonable sin. And so I'm dying. And, and I kind of looked up and there was a woman over there. She played the organ. She was turning around. She was glaring at me as if I were a troublemaker. And, and then I looked over here. The woman played the piano. She turned around. She was staring at me. And I was shaking. And that, it was dead quiet. And I looked up. And that pastor, he was a great big guy. He could have kept preaching. Oh, no. Oh, no. He stopped. Big old pulpit. Leaned over. One of these deals. Leaned over. And I was sitting right there. And he just glared at me. You know, the face. You know. He just glared at me. And I'm petrified until I felt something hit me right there. And then I was, I jumped. You know, it was a great big hand. It was connected to an arm. I followed around. Oh, it was my dad. My dad had put his arm around me. And he was doing this. Holding me close. When everyone else was finding fault with me or embarrassed by me, had bad thoughts about me, I had bad thoughts about myself. I thought, I'm really stupid. My dad didn't run for it. He, he put his arm around me. He was holding me. It's kind of a picture. It's kind of a picture of what the theologians call grace. Grace. Huh. That's my dad. And I, something changed in me. I was, I was loved in the midst of my mess. My dad stayed with me. And I, I, I thought, it reminded me of something I've heard. It was a Christmas carol or, or a Christmas song or something like that. And the word became flesh, dwelt for a while among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of grace. Ha! Huh. Oh, that's what Jesus is like. Drop your marbles. He doesn't run from you. He, he doesn't frown at you. He actually draws close to you. And then for today, that tells us what the father's like because the father's like Jesus 
So that's what my heavenly father, that's what your heavenly father is like. How, how many of you have dropped your marbles so far today? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there he is. But that's, that's not all the story. Uh, I, I was devastated. It was dead quiet. Think about it. Um, <laughs> think about it. Little cracker box of a church, 100 people jammed into it. Sermon quit, dead silent. A big grown man up here. A small grown man with his tiny little son right here. Glaring at each other and everybody watching. <laughs> it was a bad moment. And then I dared to look up at my dad. He, he might have been looking down at the floor kind of embarrassed. I mean, you know, he might, or he, or he might have been looking at me and saying, you know, but he, he wasn't. He, I looked at him. He was glaring right back at the preacher. I mean, the preacher looked bad. My dad looked worse. And I don't know exactly what my dad was thinking, but I'm pretty sure because he told me lots of times. I, I'm pretty sure he was thinking this. This is my son. I'll take care of him. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> He's about as sharp as those marbles. He, he's not very coordinated. See, my dad was always honest. He loved the truth. So I can imagine my dad's mind. He's not very coordinated. That's a fact. But don't you worry. He's. He's my son. And I'll take care of him. We'll talk. Because I love him. Don't you worry about it. And talk we did. My dad took me on walks to the Dairy Queen. Five cent ice cream cones. <laughs> you think I'm lying. <laughs> but while we walked, my dad listened to me. I was a chatterbox. You can't believe that. I was a chatterbox. And, and, and he listened to me. And whenever I said something that was good, he would say, yeah, that's so good. Way to go but a lot of the times, I thought I knew a lot that I was really pretty dumb about. <laughs> Think about the marbles. And, and I would say things, and my dad loved me so much that he told me the truth. In fact, in fact, he couldn't help but tell me the truth because he loved me. And he loved the truth. That was who my dad was. He loved the truth. And so I'd say things that, in his opinion, were not true. And he didn't put a bunch of sugar on it. He just said, that's not right. You're wrong. Oh. Because he loved me. He was always gentle, kind. Huh. But he loved me. So he told me the truth. Well, full of grace and truth. Well, that's... That sounds like, that sounds like Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you get Jesus, you get grace, but with Jesus, you get someone who not only loves the truth, but knows the truth, knows the truth. And so here is my dad. 
He's like Jesus. We go on walks. We go for rides. We go to the airport to watch the planes come in. But dad didn't need to watch the planes come in. He was wanting to help his son learn to know the truth. And so he listened to me. And when he asked me questions, when I didn't answer well, he taught me the truth. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't always wonderful. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget the day, I don't even know what I said, but my dad looked at me and he said, you are a blankety-blank liar. Woo! That'll do something for you. I didn't forget it. See, I, I don't think I told you, my dad wasn't a Christian. He came to church to keep the peace. He didn't believe the Bible because the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, had a bunch of miracles in it. And, and my dad had reasons in his mind to think that the Bible was wrong and that people that gave their lives to believing what the Bible said was true were very deceived and they didn't walk in truth. He believed that. So he discipled me. And he was good at it because he loved me. And because he loved me, he told me the truth. And because he loved me, I listened to him. So my dad made a disciple of himself in me. For better and for worse. But I need to tell you the rest of the story. Um, I <clears throat> was a math teacher and a coach. Got called to become a pastor. So I left all that and came to Kansas City to go to seminary. Dad and mom came to visit Debbie and me in seminary. And uh, they were at our little apartment and we were having a conversation and dad took off again about how the Bible wasn't true and how anybody believed the Bible must be kind of nuts. They just weren't, they just didn't care about the truth and went on and on. And, and I stopped him. I said, dad, hold on. I've done quite a bit of study and I've come to realize that the Bible can be demonstrated to rationally. It, it can be clearly, logically, rationally explained how the Bible is absolutely accurate in what it says when interpreted correctly. And, and in fact, the Bible itself is a miracle. The whole book is a miracle. And we talked. That night, my dad became a Christian. <laughs> I, I wouldn't... I've never sold a million books on how to make disciples by arguing about the authenticity of the scripture, but worked that time. <laughs> My dad, full of grace and truth. I got grace, but with grace came truth because my dad loved me. That's Jesus. But remember, if you want to know what the father's like, he's like the son, right? So our heavenly father full of grace and truth. And I'm, I'm going to say something. I'm going to read a verse of scripture. If you, don't, if you remember anything else that I say today, try to remember this. Let me read it for you, then we'll talk about it just a little bit. Jesus said to his disciples, just before he was I mean, crucified and then resurrected and leaving them, he said, truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So here's Jesus, disciples, Pete, James, and John, the others. 
having a conversation just before the crucifixion. Jesus says, hey guys, I'm going to go away. And that's really good for you. <laughs> and one of the disciples, I imagine it was Pete, one of the disciples looked at him and, and said, you got to be kidding. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You came to get the Romans off our neck. They still got their boot on our neck. What, what do you mean it's better that you go away? She said, well, if I stay, I can't send my spirit to be in you. But if I go, then I can send my spirit to be in you. And what Jesus was really saying is, better that I be in you by my spirit than next to you in a body. Did you hear that? How many of you are Orthodox Christians? You believe You've repented. You put your faith in Jesus. You were born again. You were born from above. That means you were born of the Spirit. That means you received all the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that God literally dwells in you? Do you believe that? You're not God, but he lives in you. And guess what? He's the truth. He talks. Doesn't keep it to himself. He talks to you. He talks to me. I have reasons to believe almost nonstop. See, because... I'm not very sharp. There's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know. And because God, the spirit who lives in me, knows everything. He knows when I'm ignorant and out of ignorance in the darkness about to do something that's really stupid. He loves me so much that he talks to me. He really does. Well, let me just, let me just, re I, I, the, I need an hour for each one of these ideas. But the spirit of our father will advocate. He'll help. He'll be with us. He is truth in us. He'll, I'm just quoting scripture. This is a bunch of scriptures. He'll teach us all things and remind us of everything Jesus said. He'll teach us how many things? Do you need to know what God knows? Guess what? He lives in you and he talks. Of course, communication is a two-way street. Someone has to listen. Teach us all things. Remind us of everything Jesus said. He'll even testify about Jesus. The Spirit of our Father will convict the world, that's everyone of sin and righteousness and judgment. He'll guide into how much truth? Oh, do you ever need truth? Because you don't see as God sees. I don't see as God sees. And, and, and he loves me. And he wants things to go well. So he wants me to operate in the light with respect to how I treat Debbie. And how I treat our kids. How I treat our He wants me to walk in the light. He doesn't want me walking in darkness. And so, because who he is, he's a communicator. He made us for a relationship, and he talks. And he tells us what we need to know. There's a ton of times when, when I think I know something, but it's just a little piece of the pie. God sees the big picture. And if you think you got the whole truth, and you got a little bit of it, you're going to act in error. But God talks. Your father talks. He's not only gracious, but he's truth. And he loves. And he'll tell us. He really does. He really does. But someone's got to be listening. There's got to be relationship. How much relationship? I, I, I don't know if any of you ever said this, but kids say to me, they say, well, I don't believe in religion. I believe in relationship. And I say, how much relationship? How much of the time is God present and deserving my attention? If Jesus were right here next to you, would you pay attention to him? Oh, yeah, of course you would. You'd probably check with him 
If he wanted to go to McDonald's or Burger King, he might say, well, do you have another option? I don't know what he'd say, but, but whatever. If Jesus were here, we'd pay attention to him because we trust him and we love him. True? Hear it. He is here. He's here better than if he were next to us. He is here and he dwells in us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not the guarantee of glory because Christ in you will not force you to listen. He will not force you to believe. He will not force you to do what he says. Even though you say you trust him, he will not force it, but he'll speak. And when we listen, get the truth and believe it, walk by faith and do what he tells us to do because we trust him, maybe even love him. If you love him, we will. If, if we respond to what he says to us, then guess what? Christ in you becomes Christ through you. And his word, the word becomes tangibleized. It becomes materialized. The word becomes flesh. And the world around you sees Jesus. They think it's you, but it's not you. You were crucified. Once you were single, you, you were all by yourself. Then you do enough about Jesus to receive him. You received him. Now the two became one. Christ came to live in you. He came to live in your body. Now you live together. And now he speaks. And when you and he agree and you believe and do what he says, Jesus is seen through you. That's just how he lived. He did nothing apart from the Father. He didn't say anything, do anything, judge independently of the Father. But we got a ton of bad habits. We got pride. We got arrogance. We, we, we depend on others. We depend on in everything for our decision making instead of the one who really loves us and loves us so much that he tells us the truth that he knows and he alone knows. And he's worthy of our attention. We try hard to meet together, to pray and grow in small groups. We work hard to spend our time alone in the closet. But all of that to the end, that we might walk with him moment by moment by moment, being led by the Spirit instead of us being the leader. We signed up to quit leading. I have decided to follow Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself what you think, what you feel, what you want. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and instead of himself saying, it doesn't matter what I think. Jesus, my faith is in you. I signed up to trust you and follow you. Where do we go from here? Christianity 101. Unfortunately, we haven't sat around and learned, been discipled well enough to actually realize that my sheep hear my voice. You do hear him. People say, oh, I don't hear God. Oh, oh yes, you, you hear him all the time. You just don't recognize him. You haven't learned to recognize your shepherd's voice. But he's here to lead. And if you'll trust him enough to listen to him, he'll save your life. He'll save your marriage. You've dug a deep pit. Maybe he'll get you walking out of it. He might do an occasional miracle where he just pulls you out of 5,000 feet of disaster. But usually he brings us up one step at a time. Because he made us for marriage, not to have a soft life. We all clear? So Jesus tells us the truth. He tells us the truth about the future. All the things that you don't know, he knows. And you'll, 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 just, you'll just rely on your understanding unless you learn that you trust him. And he wants your business. He wants it to go well. He wants, he wants things to be good. He really does. 
He doesn't like pain and confusion. He doesn't like, he wants to go, but he made us for a relationship. So if you listen, believe what he says, and I'm making it sound like it's easy. It's not easy, unless you're a two-year-old. If you're a two-year-old and you haven't learned to depend on everyone else, and you're taught from the very beginning that there is a God, he does love you, and he does talk, and you're trained to listen to him before you make decisions, before you say things, before you do If you're raised up that way, there's a good chance that you'll just grow up looking like a saint. Amen? But most of us didn't get that kind of start. I'm having to dig out of deep holes. Breaks my heart how much I've known up here and haven't done. I've been a hearer and a preacher, but a lot I, I didn't do because I didn't see that I was still leading and making Jesus follow me. We, we didn't sign up to lead God. So Jesus tells us the truth about the future. Where we're ignorant or have wrong ideas, he sees it and he talks to us. And then he talks to us about our progress. I, I wish I had, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try to defend this. I'm just going to say this. When you have done what the Spirit of God gave you to do, whether you recognize it was the Holy Spirit or not, and, and, and he showed you what to do, and you do it, it works. And when it works, you feel good, and you're tempted to say, man, I am sharp as a tack. <laughs> well, actually, you ain't never had a good idea. You know why? Every good and perfect idea comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good idea you've ever had, where did it come from? God, who talks. And he's with you. And he cares. The question is, is anyone listening? Not just on Sunday morning, not just early in the morning, but all, is Jesus with us or is he in us? He's in us. And that's better than if Jesus were with us. Tracking? Faith in the Holy Spirit's a big deal. Living and walking by the Spirit is what matters. So he'll tell us about our future. And then when we do well, you'll feel good. And I will tell you a big reason you feel good, because Jesus in you, he, he doesn't have to do this. He's patting you. Oh, I was going to say he's patting you on the back, but it's better than that. He's talking. And you know what he says? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Oh. And what you hear, what you think, shapes and de determines what you feel. Almost all your emotions are a byproduct from your thoughts. So when you have bad emotions, it's because you've been thinking badly. Jesus talks. He says, well done. Way to go. We feel good. That's what he's like. He shows us what to do when we walk in the light. He encourages us. He's a great encourager. How often do we need encouragement? Daily. Mm -hmm. And he does it. We feel good. But then, of course, there's the inevitable times when he's spoken to us, but we forget. We got bad habits. We're creatures of habit. And we, on Sunday morning, we met it. Yes, Lord, I'll do it this week. I'm going to be this way. And then we go out and we forget all about it. And we drop our marble. Amen? Guess what? When we drop our marbles, Jesus doesn't run from us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. But he draws us close. 
And he shows us that he loves us. No matter what others think and others do, there's never been a friend like Jesus. He's with us. Talks to us. So he shows us. Let's talk. I'm with you. You're, you're not saved by I'm with you. Let's talk. And then, in that context, he reveals truth that will set us free if we believe in it, obey it. Truth doesn't do any good unless you believe and obey it. You've got to be a doer of the word. So here's the key. We need to learn how to respond to everything that Jesus says to us, but especially when we've dropped our marbles. So I want to talk about that for a little bit before I quit. How many would say, yep, we all drop our marbles? <laughs> I heard three yeps. Let's try it again. How many would say we all drop our marbles? Yep, that, that's my language for amen. Okay. <clears throat> we all drop our marbles. So when we drop our marbles, here's what I'd like us to do. Celebrate some things. Oh, you're thinking, I'm going to get the tar beat out of me Monday morning, and you want me to celebrate? Uh-huh. Celebrate this. Celebrate that your father is present with you. He didn't leave you. Like almost everyone else might or maybe does. You flunk a test. Don't play well, you sit the bench. You don't work well, you get fired. Not God. Drop your marbles. He knows you're just a kid. He, he understands what you don't understand. About the challenges you face, the difficulties, your habits. He's got that. He, he comes and he makes himself known. And he says, I'm with you. Celebrate his presence. And with his presence, there's the awareness of grace. He loves, if you're getting the truth that your heavenly father's like Jesus, who's full of grace, there's grace for this. I don't need to be mad at myself or how other people treat him. My father loves me. There's grace, but there's also truth. In fact, most of the time, not all, but most of the time, you wouldn't even known you dropped your marbles unless God showed it to you. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness. Uh, some of the times you'd recognize if it convict you of out and out sin, but we don't have any idea. I don't have any idea how far I am from God's righteousness. I, uh, the, the longer I live, the more I realize I'm not like Jesus. I'm called to be Christ-like. But he talks. The fact that I'm aware of it is evidence that he's talking. His voice, conviction, maybe of sin, maybe of righteousness. It's conviction of what is good. And he does it the way Jesus did it. With gentleness and humility. That's two things Jesus said about himself. So can we celebrate when your marbles are rolling down the floor? Can we celebrate? It might take a little while to recognize the dad sitting beside you. But he is. Then secondly, let me suggest this. When we drop our marbles, celebrate the pain. You're kidding. Not only do I feel terrible, the reason I feel terrible is come and get the tar beat on me tomorrow morning. No, when, when we drop our marbles, it hurts. Not because, not because we're going to be shamed by our father. Not because he's ashamed of us. Not because we're going to be rejected by our father but because we love him because he first loved us. Christ died for all, that those who live would no longer live 
for themselves, but for him. And we got the picture and we want to live for him because we love him. If you know him, you can't help but love him. If you don't love him, you don't, you don't know him very well. The more you, the more you see him and stare at him, it'll, it warms your heart. Can't help but love him. Do you know why we hurt when we drop our marbles? Because we love him. Before you became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, before you knew Jesus, you didn't mind it much if you popped someone or mouthed off or did things that were ungodly or forgot to do. You just blew it off. But now it hurts. And the reason it hurts is because you care about the glorious God who loved you so much he would die for you. See it? Celebrate the pain. Let me say quickly, and this isn't universally true, but if it, if it doesn't hurt, you might get a little nervous. The first love might be growing dim. Love can change. And I'm not talking about love as an emotion, though that is implied. I'm talking about love as a holy, deep, conviction, resolve covenant. So when we drop our marbles, celebrate the pain. And then... When we drop our marbles, confess and celebrate the Father's pardon. Confession. Most, or at least many of the people that I've worked with don't understand confession. They think confession equals admission. For example, when I would steal the cookies out of the cookie jar, mom told me not to and I was in trouble, okay? I'd steal the cookies out of the cookie jar. She would come and I knew she knew. I was the only kid, still at home. And she'd say, did you take the cookies out? And I would say, yep, I took them. That's admission. That wasn't confession. Admission is admitting guilt. Confession would be for me to say, Mom, you're right. I took the cookies, and you told me not to. And I agree with you. I understand. And I'll never do it again to the best of my ability. Confession is agreeing. When we confess our errors, our shortcoming, our faults, our sins, when we confess, that means we have done the work to think what God thinks about it and agree with him. To see it from God's perspective and agree with him. That's confession. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just through Christ to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, So, when you drop your marbles, confess and celebrate the cross. Celebrate the fact you never were saved by being good enough. You never will be saved by being good enough. Only Jesus was good enough, and he got killed for being good, but he gave you the glory of what he took on the cross, not for his own sin, but yours. Celebrate. Go to the cross. Pull out your handy-dandy communion set and say, Jesus, you died for that dropping of my marbles. Because I never was saved by my performance. Thank you for letting your performance be given to me so that I might have your righteousness on my account. Make sense? Celebrate. I'm, I'm out of time. I'm not going to talk about this when we drop our marbles. Correct. That's a big deal. You can't hardly ever drop your marbles without it negatively affecting your spouse, your kids, your parents, your boss, people you work with. It almost always affects them, and we need to work on restitution. We really do. But we'll let that go for now. 
is this worth coming for? I, I, your pastor asked me to talk about dropping marbles. Was that a good idea? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we know where he got it then. Okay? I was, I was, I was saying, we know where every good idea comes from. Let's stand together. What I'd really like to ask is this. Um, how many of you really, you are so grateful that your heavenly father is full of grace and truth? And, and that in being gracious because he loves, he tells you the truth. How many of you are glad he tells you the truth? How many of you are willing to work at listening? Could, could we celebrate the truth teller? Let's celebrate. And, and maybe there's some of you here and maybe some of you online. Maybe... Maybe you never got into the Father's family. Maybe you never had a heavenly Father, i.e. a right relationship with Him. Or maybe you, maybe you had a right relationship with Him, and for whatever reason, and there's a ton of them, I suppose, you wandered away. And you just know you're not paying much attention to Him, if any. He's not that important to you. You're not trying to, you don't trust him enough to find out what he thinks before you decide things. Maybe if that's you, maybe I'd like to say this. Don't think of the father being like this this morning as a child of his. But think of the father with a hopeful but broken heart, with his arms like this, saying, I'd do anything to have you come to my family. I'll save you if you'll come home. I'll love you and I'll tell you the truth. I'll help you to know where to go. I'll, I'll, I'll celebrate when you're making progress and when you mess up and fumble and drop. I'll be there and I'll help you and we'll make progress together. Can you see him saying, come home, come home? And, and I'd like, maybe I'm over time, but I'm just going to take a moment to, I'm, I'm going to pray and I'll kind of take some breaks. And if, if you're wanting to come home or maybe just to make progress and, you, between you and the Lord, you'd like to respond. Let, let, me, let me talk to the Father, and if you can agree with it, say it to him. So, Father, I'm not sure why I left home. Maybe I am. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that I really need your help. And I'm pretty sure I want it. And I kind of blamed you for a bunch of things. I was mad at you for stuff you never did because you're not the author of evil. And I failed to give you credit for all the good things you did because I took them for granted. Because I just didn't talk. I, I didn't understand. I, I'm really sorry for that. I, didn't, I just didn't understand. One very sharp. But I... I think I understand that you love me so much that you would actually send your very own son to live perfectly and die, not for his sin, but for mine, all my marble dropping, so that if I would, I could have all that forgiven and gone away, and I could come home and live with you and your family, and 
little by little, just get life where you want it to be. It's called abundant life, and that's what I want. So today I, I, I repent of being my own king, my own Lord, relying on myself. I changed my mind. I, I'm going to trust you to the best of my ability, and you'll help me when I'm no good at it. And Father says, yes, I will. So, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I come home today. Amen. 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 Come on, can we just continue to celebrate every single person who just made that decision to follow Jesus? Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And if that's you, I love, I love how how is articulating it. It's a, he is a father and he's welcoming you in. And as you come in and you receive that love of the Father, you're stepping into a not just a father-child relationship, but the family of God relationship as well. And we wanna be that family for you. We wanna walk with you. We don't want you to do life alone out on an island, but man, we wanna do this together. And on your seat, one of the best ways we can resource you and help you begin that journey is through our connection card. So if you said yes to following Jesus, just scan the QR code on the connection card. We'll send you more information um, and how you can take your next steps in following Jesus. But really, I just wanna say, you just made the best decision you could ever make in your entire life. Thank you, you did the best. Seriously, such a great job in saying yes to Jesus. Um, if our prayer team, if you guys could go ahead and start coming down front, it is our honor. So many things that I love how how was articulated, even just hearing the Father and how communication is a two-way street. And I just wanna encourage you, maybe you've got a situation going on in your life and you're like, man, I just, I wanna hear what the Father has to say. I wanna hear what Jesus has to say about this situation. I wanna hear the grace and the truth about what's going on in my life. We've got an incredible prayer team. We would love to pray with you. As well as we've got our ushers down front, we're gonna go ahead and take up our tithes and offerings. I'll pray and then we'll, we'll jump into worship. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for the, the, there's the infinite number of gifts that you give us. Even as Hal said earlier, that you are the gift giver. You're the, the only good and perfect gifts come from you. So God, in this moment, we recognize the gifts of God in our life. God, we return the tithe to you. We give offerings freely. God, we joyfully give. God, we say thank you for everything you're doing in our lives in so many ways that we don't even recognize. Jesus, you would open our eyes today to, to recognize the blessings of God in our life. God, we love you. We worship you. God, we thank you for the impact we're having in our city, how we're able to feed homeless people, how we're able to impact families at Radiant Church and even outside of our community, God, that we're able to, in our nation, see churches planted and pastors resourced and, and the next generation changed. God, and even as we're seeing global missions, evangelism efforts take place all around the world, God, we give you the glory and we give you the honor, Jesus. We are so grateful for your activity in the world. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. 